There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. My name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to The Revisit, where we go back in time and take a look at Irish albums past and kind of take the temperature of the whole damn thing. Uh, I'm joined once again by my best friend in the whole wide world, Kieran McGuinness of Del Rento's fame. Hello. Oh God, I'm so I'm so touched. You're in a bad mood, so I thought you needed something. I am in the best mood. I will have none of that. That's going to cloud everything now. Okay, we've got a fantastic panel with us. We welcome back Dan Hegarty. Hello. Welcome back, Nia Farrell of Ham Sandwich. Hello. Hello. And Quiva Barry of Wyvern Lingo, making her No Encore debut. Hello. Hello, it's great to be here. I'm glad everyone is here. Thanks for taking the time. The year in question this time is 1989. I was five, so what were you up to, Kieran? Uh, what was I doing in 1989? Not very much. I was in school. It was good. I was high-fiving people at this point. Um, <laughs> The uh, it was the time of uh, it was the um, the Eastern Bloc was re- revo- revolting at this time. So the Berlin Wall came down. There was Ceausescu took was knocked uh, off his perch in Romania. All that kind of stuff. Um, also, Bush got into power. Berlin Wall came down. Pro democracy um, marches in Tiananmen Square, which obviously went very well. Um, in films, get this, get this, um, <laughs> Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman, and the Batman album was obviously released that year. With Bat Dance. Right. <laughs> Amazing. I love Bat Dance. <laughs> oh my God. Dead Poet Society, Back to the Future 2, Last Crusade, the best Indiana Jones movie, maybe. Um, Abyss, uh, Harry Met Sally, The Little Mermaid was the Disney film. 
Yes. Honey, I, I shrunk the kids. You want to see that? Yeah, I want to see Little Mermaid because I have a I have a specific memory of going home on the bus, still crying, and my mother <laughs> could not stop me crying. Oh my god! <laughs> All the way home on the bus. Never seen the Little Mermaid, no. but um, oh, wow. does, does tragedy befall the Little Mermaid? No, but I don't just cry away. at everything. Don't give it away. Karen <laughs> hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> I assume it's a Disney film, so I assume that the parents die, and I assume that you know there's huge obstacles that have to get over where she learns that. You mentioned Back to the Future yeah. 2 there. That two. means that Ghostbusters 2 must have been out that year as well, because I remember going to see Ghostbusters 2 in my local, sadly now torn down cinema. It was a beautiful ramshackle place. And uh, when the painting came to life in Ghostbusters 2, I cried hysterically and ran from that cinema to the next cinema where my parents were watching Back to the Future 2. So technically, Ghostbusters 2 is the first film I ever walked out of. Wow. There were many more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And other than that, so stuff like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Field of Dreams, If You Build It, They Will Come, which is the crappiest. um, Kevin Costner described that as America's It's a Wonderful Life. Did he describe? But America already has. It's a well. I think he meant. (laughs) I think he said like. I think he meant his generations because remember he he was being interviewed by UK journalists and he said he goes. I don't know how it is for you over there, but over here this is like our. I guess you know the the thing that took up that mantle. I don't think he's right, but he believes it. No, but feel the dreams. Like I, I know nothing about feel the dreams. I saw it recently, but it's that thing. Like if ghosts tell you to build something then then it's going to be fine. You know, (laughs) like if you build it, they will come. You know, this that thing which is like the worst. It's the worst, like, positive message to give if you build it. Like, that's, that's like, put millions of people into terrible businesses that have failed. So yeah, what you're saying yeah, is yeah. a ghost is not responsible for the forthcoming De La Rentos record, then? No, no, no four ghosts. <laughs> um, so then in albums, Paul's Boutique, uh, uh, Beastie Boys, Do Little Pixies, Full Moon Fever, Tom Petty, um, Disintegration, uh, The Cure, Three Feet High and Rising, Bleach, Nirvana, obviously, um, Neil Young's Freedom. And then, of course, stuff like uh, the Stone Roses first album, the Stone Roses, and uh, like a prayer by Madonna. Mm. Wow, is, that, that My sister was a there. huge, huge Madonna fan. That was on repeat constantly, and it was great. I missed, totally missed Madonna. I mean, I'm not a big fan, but she got some classics, man. Yeah, just yeah. kind of missed it because I, I didn't have any sisters, so um, I kind of feel like. I, well, I don't want to be sexist about it, but, uh, you know, it just seemed to, like, like boys, you know, were like, oh, I don't like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was definitely just, yeah, 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 yeah. When you're yeah, that young, when you're in, like, junior school, like. it's like, oh, no, I would obviously not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, I, I, like, you know, I would, you know that game where you, uh, where you have to one-up each other on how many things you, songs you can name by a band? Oh, yeah. You know, like, I would just, like, if it got put them down, I'd be like, six? I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but, yeah, so uh, there were there were the albums of the year. Uh, like, it's the beginning, uh, you can see a lot of, um, it seems like the alternative kind of thing is starting to really kind of come across. Obviously, Bleach, you know, mm. about to launch them. Do Little Pixies, you know, about to launch them. Paul's Boutique, early Beasties album, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, the Stone Roses, like it's the beginning of a couple of scenes there with those albums, yeah. right? Yeah, mm. a couple of different, very different scenes as well. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose that the albums we're looking at, the end of the 80s, is it the end of a couple of scenes for these, you know, that kind of way? Like mm. We've talked about that a lot in the reviews before, though, where there's a lot of Irish kind of acts where it's, they're, they just become like expired milk when 1991 rolls around like the sound the production the, the style some bands came along like I mean like when you put Loveless by my, my, uh, by my buddy Valentine the last episode that we did up against even some of the albums that were out that year the difference though mm-hmm. in like the movement that was kind of changing it just kind of feels like some albums retain their 80s-ness kind of well and some just seem like instantly dated and it doesn't quite work and there's a couple on this list I think that uh, well yeah so the five songs on the list that we decided to do are 
Gilbert O'Sullivan, Songs in the Key of G, uh, Pogues, Peace and Love, Stano Only, Mary Black's No Frontiers and the Four of Us Songs for the Tempted. Um, there was quite a few songs because there was a, uh, quite a lot of albums and I don't think there was really an album that sort of everyone kind of went for. It wasn't a standout, you know, between and in the voting kind of that, that was split. So it meant that there was lots of kind of draws and stuff. Mm. And... Um, my second choice was Fatima Mansions. It didn't get any more votes. and I voted for it. Oh, you did, but yours was, it was the third vote oh, for you. Right, so okay. because <laughs> nobody else voted the third vote, I didn't really feel it would be fair to give you like the superpowers. But, uh, but uh, the Pogues got in and, you know, Mary Black got a couple, you know, there was two votes for almost everything else. And so as a result, um, yeah, Fatima Mansions didn't get in. And uh, I really regret because I, I thought the, Pogues was the one for me, and now I, I should have put Fatima. But see, here's the one. thing: I, I think that this, the the system gets more and more complicated every time we do an episode, which is un- unfathomable to me. But it's but it's fascinating <laughs> as well. And I think that like with the Pogues album, which we will get to, I mean, you know, I, I thought we'd said all there is to say about the Pogues, but I don't think we have based no. on this album. So that's so, kind of. But there, there was Clannad were one of the ones that got one vote, and and and, right. and you, you voted for Clannad. Clannad I did, so, yeah. So, um, what are your feelings? Uh. I have to say it was definitely interesting and I went for it because because there was kind of things to appreciate about it and discover the more you listen to it because it's really atmospheric and uh, I listened to it while I was trying to get work done and I was like, this is shite, I want to turn it off, this is not, this is giving me the heebie-jeebies in a big way. And then I was like, okay, this isn't the right way to listen to it. So I actually put it on and did some yoga. I was like, now this makes more sense, but it still feels like like the soundtrack to like the dodgy moments in like 80s movies that didn't quite make it you know that kind of way it's like that like creepy synth sound with no drums just the synth and then you just have like guitar out of nowhere and it's like it it reminded me of this uh, cartoon they showed to us in uh, in primary school do you know that creepy cartoon that I played at the thing all of like the other cartoons had that music behind it so it was just all those it was just like really creepy but interesting you know it's a creepy six times (laughs) (laughs) see I I, like I wasn't born in the 80s so for me the 80s don't have like a nostalgic feeling it's just like a kind of like like strange it all sounds quite dated to me other than like Prince you know all that kind of like 80s synth Mm. sounds but there, yeah, that but that electric, like the kind of electronic bass that Prince was kind of really well known for, yeah. is all over, is over a lot of these absolutely. albums. It's absolutely, absolutely, really, really, yeah, 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 it's mad. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, you know, as I say, I, you know, I wish I'd forced uh, Fatima Mansions through the door. Another brilliant Fatima Mansions album, but also another really kind of hit and miss, and a little bit, um, what's the word? A kind of a, a little bit distancing as well. It's kind of hard to get into. Yeah, you kind of have to really kind of go for it with a Phantom Mansions album. And it, it, I don't know. I just don't. I, I just didn't give it enough. I don't think. And now I'm looking at the other songs albums on this, and I think it totally could be here. You know, I'm looking forward to using distancing in my everyday conversation now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just gonna try and like crowbar that into things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a little bit of a vibe of Tears for Fears off Phantom Mansions off the songs. Yeah, on the I think playlist, and I don't. I was like. Am I hearing this or do you know that kind of way? 
But um, yes. that's the kind of vibe I got off them. I, but I wasn't too. But you, 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 you like the Flower Mansions album. Dan. I do. And mm. I was saying earlier on, uh, before you arrived, <laughs> um, that it's the album that I, I didn't know of, of theirs. But I, I think we were we were talking about uh, Cahill Coughlin just being one of these guys who would scare the bejesus out of you. Uh, <laughs> totally. He's really intense. He's incredible. Like, I mean, you look at the stuff that he's done, Micro Disney, you look at Fatima Mansions, you look at his solo stuff as well, like Black River Full, which is a brilliant solo album by him and um, he's just got that intensity where you, you, you just kind of go oh Christ <laughs> you know, <laughs> better, it's, better pay attention you know? it's, yeah that's it and, but it, because it's so full on you kind of have to uh, let it sort of you know, you, you, I don't think you'd listen to it doing yoga. No. <laughs> you know, you, you know, it, it's it is so sort of yeah, it is a bit intense. But I kind of now I'm not now I'm, I'm kicking myself that I didn't, you know, force it force it in. But sure, look at it anyway. Well, it's the Pogues, and I think that's where we're going to start. Is it? Yes, absolutely. What track, Karen? Uh, let's do Lorelei. Yeah, that song, I'm glad you picked that one, because I think it's tremendous. Yeah. And here's the thing, it doesn't sound like a Pogues song. No, it doesn't. <laughs> if that came on, it would be... Yeah, so uh, so the Pogues, this is the Pogues' fourth album, Peace and Love. Um, I think the thing that is most is sort of striking about it is that there's very little Shane McGowan. Like, there's out of the 14 tracks, there's, there's 13 originals, and Shane writes six, and sort of performs in those six. And even when he is singing, it sounds like he has very strong backing vocals or dual vocals along mm. with them. I don't know what was going on at that time. Mm. I mean, I don't want to speculate in the kind of obvious speculation that maybe Shane was not doing great at the time or whatever, but it really, as a result, the the band really, you know, come, comes through a lot more. You know, um, Finer and Chevron write the, like, the other six and, uh, you know, it's... Yeah, it's just it's just a, very much the band coming to the fore. There's always been a couple of really brilliant um, instrumentals from the Pogues, um, and the, this opens with another one called Gridlock, which is just an absolute stunner of a song. What isn't an it? intro! What an amazing what an intro! Song. I absolutely like, love. Just blew me. I was like, yeah. oh, I love this. <laughs> but then it then it started getting into the uh, the rest of it, and and it's I don't know I don't know what to make it. It was jumping around the shop. There's different vocalists. There's different styles. There's like kind of nearly like indie rock kind of drums on some of it like um well hang on before you kind of just open up the album like gridlock right i threw it on and again i, I had to check that i uh, yeah. there's the pogues i was yeah. like this is I've, I've obviously been on the wrong album i'm really tired today oh no it's it is the pogues strange and I, I went up on like apple music spotify just to make double sure mm. that there wasn't some fuck up by but somebody. there's a couple of tracks like that there's as i say lorelei which is an, an, an absolutely brilliant it's absolutely song. brilliant yeah it doesn't sound like the pogues no, i, I no. mean I'm, I'm amazed i like I, I did. I had to look. I had to look and see. I, I, I it's a really checking. rich, like straightforward pop song. And not that the Pogues don't aren't capable of writing rich songs, but like it's it's a very cinematic song. It's kind of weirdly yeah. like 
big and very accessible, like very, very mainstream friendly, very in, in a good way. But the first because like Gridlock, right? Gridlock comes on and I was like, this sounds like the Pearl and Dean theme. Like you know, that kind of ba 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 ba. There's kind of yeah. There's a yeah. There's a jazz game kind show. Of feel. Like, yeah, there, it's, but it's, but they have a song called Metropolis on the, uh, two albums previously, um, and uh, that's brilliant as well. They, they do have some brilliant um, instrumental songs, but this is really the band sort of coming out. You know, like. I don't know. Again, I don't like want to say that maybe Shane wasn't around so much, and maybe he wasn't. But it, it really it allowed the band to shine, you know, in a positive way. That kind of ghost to Shane McGowan hangs over everything because it, it it does sound like I don't know, like when you take one of the most iconic vocalists out of a band, then you know it is sort of missing. There is a you know a Shane shaped ghost in a lot of these songs, sort of. Um, but the stuff that works is brilliant. There's a song called "Down All the Days," which again is a, is Shane McGowan very heavily you know back and vocaled, um, and that's that's a really brilliant song as well. And the last track, "London, You're a Lady." And there's a lot of London across the album. Mm, uh, they were living in London at the time that they wrote it, supposedly. Yeah, mm. but there's a lot of like a lot of English kind of influence, London, so, you know, kind of coming through, and you can hear it. And but yeah, um, uh, and actually, the, the only track track uh, um, on it is a, is an exploration of the uh, the uh, the relationship between Ireland and England. So there is obviously that goes through the London Irish thing. Definitely goes through all the pokes stuff, but this does does seem like it kind of tips towards the London side, I suppose, because. Um, because maybe the makeup of the band at the time or whatever. It's curio. And I remember like when you were talking to Kotcha Reardon that time and you were kind of throwing out the, you know, do you get annoyed by people effectively just saying that you were pissed all the time? And she was like, well, you know, people weren't there. We were. And like, yeah, sure, that went on. But also we were a coherent band who made songs that we believed in. And I wonder like with this record, was that an attempt to try and actually just kind of colour outside the lines? Or was it a thing of like, because you look at some of the reviews and I mean, people are like, yeah, I mean, like it's fun, but you know, we wanted we wanted the same album again. I mean, and I think bands like this, especially bands like, like, like we deal with trad and stuff I mean like fans want the same but different every time they don't want you to kind of be adventurous and I I, I didn't want to hear this album because I was like I've heard the fucking Pogues that's exactly and I, then I like, actually was like this is like, it's not great it's not great but it's not bad and I'm no, th- yeah and I think the weird thing about this is is it isn't far enough one way or the other it isn't like the trad punk th- I, I, look it is what it is and, and I think that it is very strong but it's kind of like it's kind of caught between two stools because they are obviously trying to escape from well, not even escape, sorry. I, I don't know if they wanted to escape from but they are clearly moving away from um, um, the kind of messy kind of punky stuff. It's like very polished. Like it's it's really well played. There's a lot of skill on show. Um, but it, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just in between. But I, I think the best parts of it, you know, the best parts of the album, I don't think are necessarily the Shane McGowan songs, which is kind of funny. Yeah. The best parts of the album uh you know, doesn't have a lot of Shane and don't sound uh, doesn't yeah. sound like the Pogues. But like, I, I think like, this uh, yeah. is the thing where it's like, I mean, okay, we're recording this now. It's what the twenty first of November, so you know, Christmas trees are up in houses and stuff, which I find kind of terrifying. Uh, lights are on, it's happening, and yeah, we're gonna get fairy, Just accepted day. Fairy tale New York. We're gonna get fairy tale New York every fucking day for the next two months. And I'm not the biggest fan of that song, and it's putting it mildly. Uh, I wish Lorelai was like their big go to because that's just a really cool, great song. Maybe I'd hate it if I heard it every time on Christmas, perhaps. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. You'd hate but, every. Was, yeah, uh, to be fair. Um, but I just kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, like, I just kind of think this is a really interesting string in their bow, even if it, it it's it's messy in an interesting way. Like, I mean, it doesn't quite coalesce, I think, over the course of the record. But And I, I, I know it's the worst thing, like, someone in my position can say, and I apologize to the musicians in the room. Uh, it's it's a bunch of songs. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know that sounds such a dick thing to say. but it, it's Well, like, it, 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 unfortunately, I, I kind of agree with that. But it is also... Um, 
uh, there is a thread. There is a, you know, there is a feeling throughout it. And there's a song called Misty Morning Albert Bridge, uh, which is written by Jim Finer. And I think that is a Christmas song just to rival, um, to rival uh, Fairy Tale in New York. If you start a petition for it to replace it, I'll sign it. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely. After, after the show, Dave. After the show. Does it say the word Christmas in it? No, but it's got a kind of, it's got that kind of flutes and sort of uh, 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 you know, sleigh belly kind of feeling. And mm. actually, I was thinking, I go, this is like, this is a Christmas, this is a Paul Christmas song I could get behind. <laughs> yeah. If you put sleigh bells over any song ever, though. Yeah. Yes, look yeah. out for the new De Laurentos, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We can't believe it's Christmas by De, by De Laurentos, yeah. Old songs with sleigh bells put over them. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. If you, like, if you, like, pick anything, you pick, pick like, the most popular song of the year and put sleigh bells over and it's, like, grand, like, just re-release that. It's yeah. grand yeah. and sell again. Be all right. Stop giving away a musician secrets. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Sven Galley in the making over here. Um, yeah, it's good. I, I think it's good. And that comes from a place, though, of complete shock and surprise. I'm not necessarily going to go and yeah. get the lyrics tattooed on me or anything, but, you know, it's I'm running out of room as it is. But, um, yeah, no, it's 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 decent. Like, and, you know, from a Pogues kind of sceptic, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, this is, it's, it's a solid album. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I had heard this album before, but uh, I can't tell you when. Um, so listening again, like you, I was uh, I was put on the car, and I just went, "Hang on a second, <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I listening to the right thing?" It was just, it just, it, it, it just seemed. No, hang on, this can't, this can't be the Pogues. But I mean, the three song, Lorelei was actually the third song that uh, that really struck me in that. But there was three in a row on it. There was Dan All the Days, USA, and then Lorelei. It was just mm-hmm. those three came along. I was like, "Wow, this is incredible." When people talk about live albums, like you guys being musicians, you know what a live album is. There aren't many live albums because by the time you get to it being released and people listen to it, it's gone through so much. It's not. It's essentially what was the very beginning of it was live. But anyway, but this sounds like you can almost feel yourself in the studio in the corner with them at certain times. There's a real energy. Uh, there's a little bit of chaos in there as well. But it just really, like, I mean, it, it, it really kind of struck me. And it's something that I definitely go back and listen to again. And the Pogues are kind of one of those those acts for me that I kind of know, but actually if you sat me down and asked me about them, I don't know a huge amount about yeah. them. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. Like that's when I listened to it, that's the thing that I took away from it was I genuinely thought I knew what, exactly what the poke sounded like. You know, I had them, had it. And then when I listened to this, I was like, holy shit, like that's, <laughs> they sound entirely different to what I thought. Um, like the songs, it was, uh, what was it? Young Ned of the Hill, like stuff like that, like that's that was kind of a proper like traditional kind of song, like but definitely the whole album, including that song, like it's it's kind of music that I feel anyway, like stirs something in your soul. You know what I mean? It kind of definitely kind of makes you want to, I don't know, hang an Irish flag outside your window or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of definitely makes you feel <laughs> like this. So proud, like, you know, yeah. but um, oh, you were talking about the London song, like I I I hate London. Um, but like he like it's a beautiful love song about London and it's so I don't know what it was I listened I love lyrics and stuff I guess I was listening to the words and it was just uh, so well written like Mm. and the stuff that Shane like other people were singing there was one song I thought it was um, Fergal Sharky singing on it Blue oh, Heaven yeah, Blue Heaven yeah, yeah I was like is that Fergus Blue Heaven was, that, that was that. I was again I was like that's so weird so on this strange album. like 1989 also saw the release of debut album from the four of us let's have a listen to what that sounds like 
got a new job, she's working for herself, making lots of money, thinking of her health. She's colder than November, as hard as she would will. There's times I lie there thinking I miss the warm days on Mary. Why don't you have some sense? Please do something to restore my confidence. On me. Yeah, songs for the tempted, the four of us. Now, I, I, yeah, I was kind of trying to think when did I, when did I come across this? And I think, like a lot of music at that point in my life, I probably heard through the wall from my elder sister's room that. That's how I discovered a lot of music. Um, and this was one, I probably would have come to this in the early 90s, maybe 1990, Um And it was just, they had become just a really, really big band in Ireland. Um, and I suppose listening back to it, there were songs I just forgot about that I used to love. Like I, I, had, a, I had a cassette of this and I wore the thing out just completely completely you know uh, what I got from it it was the first kind of thing that I, I I could say was it was kind of indie pop because I all that I knew before that was pop music that I would have heard on Top of the Pops or something like that or, or, or early MTV and uh, guitar music and I didn't really know where the, the where the the bridge was between the two of them, so this was that for me. Uh, I remember Mary was a really really big song on it. It was just on the on the radio a lot. I remember Dave Fanning played it playing it, um, but there were the others. It opens with a with a really kind of uh, that catchy kind of strumming from uh, Drag My Bad Name Down. A lot of people go, oh, when they talk about the four of us, they go, oh, this was their big album. But it wasn't. The, 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 the one that followed it, Man Alive, was the one that actually did very well internationally. And, and this didn't catch on internationally. So it's just, it's one of those things that I think Mary in particular was a song that kind of encapsulates a time. And that was the, the end of the 80s and I guess the early 90s in Ireland. Um, but there's others I'd forgotten about, like Lightning Paul and Washington Down, that I just went, God, I listened to this so much. And it just has not been in my head for, for the, a very, very long time. So it's kind of nice to listen back to it. Is it a brilliant album? It's a pretty good album, but I'm kind of I'm kind of biased because I have an attachment to it. And when you have an attachment with something, you've always got to try and park that and go, no, hang on a second, let's try and be try and be fair about this am I just attaching my memories to these songs are they are they as good as I as I think they are but I think I think it's a pretty decent album I think they did better albums I think the one that followed it Man Alive was better I think Classified Personal the one that came uh, quite a few years later and ten years later was better than that too they probably agree I'd imagine <laughs> the, one, the one thing I struck me about this is that um, the song Mary doesn't sound dated at all I can't like mm. It sounds like yeah. it sounds really, really kind of modern and fresh. Sort of. Well, that sounds kind of stupid. Two stupid words, but contemporary, know, contemporary, contemporary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks very much, uh, Mister Reviewer. That's a much better word. No problem. But um, but some <laughs> of the other songs sound really. I think sound really kind of. 80s well you can oh, you can, you can date phrase, a record and this is something yeah. that uh, Declan from the band said said to me when I was interviewing them about about something else. He said you can date music by the sound of a snare. 
and it's yeah. it's it's just the giveaway. And there's all those little production styles. But the bass in this, yeah, the tight electric kind of bass that's on this, and some of Mary Black's album, yeah, and loads of Stano's album is really like that bass sound. There like, is a saxophone on this uh, on, on the Four of Us album as well, and there's a sax <laughs> yeah. thrown in is always sax, like, oh, hang on, trouble, yeah. I, I know, <laughs> I, I, I know say, what um, that's from. That point you made there, I've never thought of it that way, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess my example would be that. Metallica saying anger 2003 it's just like I hear that, that that cranked up punk snare that everyone hates but I like um, I, I bought like a Joey Jordison snare drum kind of like because I wanted to get, recreate that sound just that hard ping uh, everyone hates but I love it um, but yeah whenever I hear that I just think 2003 Slipknot Metallica like that kind of style so yeah, yeah look late yeah. 90s daddy's gonna pay for your crash car U2 from uh, sorry early 90s um, uh, from Zuropa it's got that that drum sound uh, it's got that real kind of metallic sound that, that people were doing at the yeah, time yeah Zoo Station on Octum Baby kind of has a bit of yeah, it yeah yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. But do you know what? Like, I'm going to say a, a name of a band, and I want you to know whether you, we got this in excess. Anyone? Yeah. yeah. I it thought it be a was little bit, like, but re- that, 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 I, it, I was really in, amazed in, by in, how much it sounded like. Indie, indie kind of pop, alt pop, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. It, it is that thing. They must yeah. have shared a producer or something, because there was something so inaccessy about it. Inaccessy. It rolled off the tongue pretty well. You did it. Yeah, yeah it was very <laughs> But the other thing about this is it's like this is their first album, right? And it's on CBS records, like so they must have money and stuff. But there's a huge confidence here. Even when I don't love some of the songs, mm. I just think that their kind of exuberance and their confidence in themselves is just like it's really kind of catching, you know. Yeah. Well, they were a band. Uh, uh, they were kind of like they at the time. I think they considered themselves a rock band. Again, this is what they have mm. said to me uh, I might be getting it slightly wrong but anyway they uh, you know in interviews that they they were kind of a a, a rock band but, and then they had they became like really really popular with with a young audience and they had like when they were going out they had girls like screaming at them at the street and they were just going what's going on <laughs> this is just really weird why, why are they screaming I guess this is really I don't think they expected that type of reaction to to this album yeah, well, like, even the, the the difference between "Drag My Bad Name Down," "Washington Down," and "Mary," like there's like, you know, it's huge differences in in the the types of music. Kind of, it uh, must have been. I don't know if they were like you know, sometimes on a first album, it's a combination of a couple of years of writing previously, and it can be, it can it kind of encompass different styles. But like, there couldn't be more of a difference between "Drag My Bad Name Down," as I say, which sounds like it was, it's from 1985, and uh, you know, "Mary," which still sounds kind of good on the radio today. Like so. I don't know. I don't know if that's because the production was excellent, or I don't know if pr- production was. Yeah, was <laughs> there? It, and because I what was what I what I thought I noticed was that um, different. Diff was there's two brothers, isn't there? Yeah. The different brothers sang. Do they sing Brennan different songs? Declan, because roughly. there was a couple of songs that, like I wrote down, plenty of tude. They had there was there's so much <laughs> attitude from some of the vocals and some of the songs. Like you can also you can almost like picture in your head what they're like on stage do you know that kind of way yeah. you can like hear the attitude coming out of the speakers but um and it's kind of like all the way down you know you're listening like lightning paul i really enjoyed that song and all those kind of songs they do kind of sound um quite late 80s and then washington down comes on and i was like holy crap like that's a fucking brilliant song yeah yeah it's a great song and the yeah. ending it of it is really well. beautiful and it just popped yeah absolutely just popped out from the middle and then it goes right back to the kind of attitude rock yeah, thing attitude. straight after uh, it definitely like, wearing you know. leather jackets you know he's got his shades on he's kind of you know moving 
for the shoulder to the other shoulder as he sings the song yeah, with his you finger going. Like I, yeah. I actually remember seeing them at the Irma Milk Awards. The Irma Milk Awards. <laughs> Irma Milk Awards, yes. Collecting Presented <laughs> by, I think, Dave Fanning and Jerry Ryan. So, so hold um, on, the Irma Milk Awards. The Irma Milk Awards were the, the music awards at the time in Ireland. And right. uh, they played, wow. I think this would have been 1990, 1991. But literally, they came on and they played and there was so much screaming, I could not hear a thing. Thing. No way. It was like they played, Manic Street Preachers played. Um, I'm trying to think of us, but I think the Saw Doctors closed it. But um, it was of just, course. I could not hear a word of song. <laughs> it was, was really good. Put out because I think this is probably my first kind of live music experience. You couldn't really call it a gig because it was an yeah. award ceremony. Mm. But I couldn't hear. And I was like, I remember thinking, God, I wish they'd be quiet. I can't hear the song. <laughs> Why are these people ruining this music for me? Well, so it was the Milk Awards. Because it was sponsored by Milk, or was it like the Milk Awards? Like that That's was a very good question. Was it just? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It just seems so, like you know. It just seems like a weird. Did they have a you know? Yeah, a pint of milk. Like it's like MTV has a little thing of popcorn or whatever. Yeah. Each passing episode, you become more and more of a journalist, Karen. I'm so proud. Oh. I, don't say that to me. It's, I'm <laughs> insulted. Don't people. say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, mate. Thanks. Um, I guess a question would be like, I mean, has time been kind to the four of us in this record? I mean, like, it's kind of like you mentioned. Is the is there an inconsistency here? I mean, like because you're like these three songs are incredible, but the rest of them are kind of well, you know not the greatest, I guess. But like, should they have been bigger? Because they're one of those bands that kind of endured. Well, I, that's actually, you know, uh, because um, of my organizational brain, I like to like try and figure out what the thing is about. If we've got five albums, what's the thing that's like? What's the thing that unifies them, mm. man? So um, I was thinking that a lot of these a lot of these albums are sort of. Un- underrated I was thinking like Peace and Love like definitely should be more people should know the album you yeah. know um, Songs of the Tempted are the band the four of us like like I think I think I read somewhere that they were voted like Ireland's the, maybe it was at the Milk Awards um, that they won like Best Milk you know <laughs> but they won like Best Irish Band or something Drank Most Milk <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did no I remember that the, but they won the, like Best Irish they, Band they, or something yeah, they, in like they, the they, mid 90s I, remember, uh, I do remember uh, vaguely remember them uh, ho- topping the Hopper's Readers poll for Best Irish Band but like this is like 1989 and early like this is U2 but prime <coughs> Ireland's yeah. biggest ever band in their biggest ever phase and the four of us were winning awards like you know for being yeah, the best but, band but don't, don't forget though that U2 were at that stage of the career that you know people we're going, oh, who do they think they are hanging mm. out with Frank Sinatra and stuff like that and, and uh, making a film about themselves, the cheeky feckers and stuff like that. <laughs> there was a little bit of that as well, that the U2 had been a big band for a long time at that stage. So I think people probably want, you know, it's like, it's like I mean, like Hosier, everyone's delighted for him, he does well. And then suddenly it's like, well, who does he think he is playing on the TV like that? You know, <laughs> it's like, it's who called success. <laughs> you know, be proud of the guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think there might have been a little bit of that as well because... Yeah. No, I'm not going to go on about Irish being begrudgers. I think human beings are, are slightly begrudging anyway. Yeah, there gets a point where someone's success is a little bit, uh, is, is uh, un, you know, makes you uncomfortable or something. But there's a level of success where you're like, ah, fair play to them, they've done it themselves, you know, or whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, Kira, you mentioned uh, trying to find a theme there. I didn't find a theme for all five of our records, but I did kind of find one with the solo acts. So let's move into one of those. This is Gilbert O'Sullivan. Mistaking the love for one that was never intended. 
they assure you it's all based on fact You can be sure it's invented That's in a nutshell by Gilbert O'Sullivan. And uh, before we get to that one, there's one track on this one that really jumped out at me while listening to it for a couple of reasons. Uh, I don't trust men with earrings in their ears. Okay, well, first of all, obviously, personal attack on myself and you, Kira, because so you're. It's in your ears. If you're actually wearing the earring inside uh, you your rock, ear. You rock like a, a one earring thing, and I've got a couple of plugs. So, uh, is that an example, Quiva, of Gilbert O'Sullivan being a satirical cad and bounder, or is he was he a bit stuck in the past? I couldn't quite tell. I think it's with a wink and a nudge, is that I, I honestly couldn't tell. Yeah. I honestly couldn't tell. And I and I and I looked at the lyrics, and even the the verses don't really shed any light on what the song is about. If anything, they make it kind of more confusing. Uh, absolutely, like I I because of the way the chorus ends, the lyrics are. I don't trust men with earrings in their ears or women who look like they're men. I yeah. trust only those who are true to themselves. And then the melody gets quite sincere. God knows there aren't too many of them, which makes me think it's not satirical, and that he's being. He's like, you know, there's well, something he does, about... He, yeah, he does but does kinda, he do that? I don't know. He kind of goes back and forth between, is he being serious here or is he not being serious here? But anyway. If right. you look at the start of that song, I mean, like, the lyrics, like he, it opens up with him saying, if you don't mind me saying so, then why do you object? And then it's like, are you frightened of something that you'll hear? Have you no inhibitions? I basically show. And I was like, did he invent gaslighting? Like, is that like what this is? Because <laughs> it's just extremely like, I was like, unless he's being like, he's either really prescient or a bit of a dick. And I can't yeah, tell. I think, it's, yeah. I think it's a combination of the two. I feel like, you want to take him at his word because of the sincerity in the song and the kind of the knowing, like a, like the kind of wit in there. But yeah. I, I don't know, maybe he actually was really behind the times. I find it, uh, yeah, I find it hard to tell. And then almost in the same breath, the next song after that is Gordon Bennett, and there's again, I, fi- I find the verses are all over the place lyric wise. Uh, but it, the, it's he doesn't feel good about crying because that's what you associate with women, and they're the weaker sex. And uh, and it's like okay, that's like you know, that's I guess you're pointing something out. That's forward thinking. But then like, so then I just really don't know what to think. Whether he he means it with I don't trust men with earrings in their ears. That is the full title of the song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're getting to the the whole thing about Gilbert O'Sullivan, which is kind of difficult to get. Like this is this is ninth album, right? So yeah. we've been doing this a while or whatever, right? Yeah. It's all about lyrics, all about craft, but. He is kind of like a a bit of a cipher. He's a bit of a chameleon. Like there's a lot of Paul Brady. There's a lot of yeah. James Taylor. There's a lot of Randy Newman. You know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff like that. Krista Berg would be like, I wish I wrote that. I thought about Krista Berg, yeah, on this one. But also, I mean, but we also, did Man on the Line, which was a surprisingly decent Krista Berg yeah, record. But also, there's a general. lot of craft and skill here. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to the way that he jigsaws lyrics together, like the way he matches rhymes and stuff, and I'm like. There's a lot of craft here, you know, yeah. like the guy's got skills and stuff. I think, like, undoubtedly, he, like, makes some really uh, successful melodies and some of the songs are very strong, but I I don't think that they're hugely original. Like, I think the way things used to be is... Amazing. Is exactly like Pat Benatar. You could just match them, sit them on top of each other and it would be the same song. But I don't, like, I, again, I don't know a huge things about the context of, of the time, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know how far away it was from Pat Benatar or anything like that. Uh, I have to say, while I think the, like a lot of the melodies in production are really like thick and strong, some of the lyrics had me kind of being like, what, what did he just say? Really? <laughs> yeah. uh, That's uh, his buzz though, I think. Is that his buzz? Well, like the first song, Lost a Friend, in there's both lyrics in that that I think are really kind of deep and there's lyrics in that that were so annoyingly throwaway that I'm like what am I supposed to you know yeah. feel here and there's a song called So What 
which I really liked, but like, but in a kind of a, I don't mean like, you know, when people say like, oh, guilty pleasure, it's like I just don't to admit to you that I actually like this, right? But like, I found that these, like, I was like, the way I was taking them as being guilty pleasures, like this is kind of crap, but also kind of good, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, you know what you mean. But that song, it's like you think I'm middle of the road, but so what? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but I, I'm like, who, who is this guy? You know? know, like I don't know anything about Gilbert or Sullivan. I know nothing about the guy. Um, but I was really surprised by. Again, like, like he's obviously really talented as a songwriter. Yeah. He always has a good band. He knows his way about instrument. He also knows how to build and like he's got a lot of musical talent. But I also felt like I wasn't sure who he was or what his personality was because it was sort of so across. Do you know what I mean? I know what you yeah. mean. I like for me, and I, I could be totally wrong. And I feel I have to say I feel like a little upstart, like even criticizing this album, but. There was a feeling of that there were other people in the room being like, Gilbert, we need a song like this on the album. You know what I mean? So that's why, mm-hmm. like, I feel like songs like So What and uh, the, the way, way things see, used to be are just like shoehorned into the album. Like, we got to make a record that sounds modern. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> whereas, little, like, I think, a little upstart. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, make a but then I think, I think the songs that sound like that sound like Gilbert O'Sullivan are if I start start with the chorus I think that's a really lovely song it's only like two yeah. and a half minutes long uh, oh I, and, the, and the, 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 the I've got a coat to keep me warm that seems yeah. sound. like they're yeah. like a bit cheesy a bit soft rock but yeah, yeah that they seem a bit more that's like okay this is it, it just feels like that's that's him and, and I feel like I would appreciate the album more if there was a bit more of that as opposed to like you know, trying to trying to make something that sounds like it's of the time or something. Well, actually, uh, the, the, this was released. This whole album almost was released two years previously, just in Germany, called the Fro Frobrischer. I can't pronounce it. Frobrischer, the Frobrischer. Frobrischer. Fro Frobrischer. I say it's Frobrischer. Whatever. Drive. And they, well, no, I know really it did look so. Yeah. Enjoying him struggle. I really <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> Ten of the tracks, I think. Oh, really? So, uh, you know, I wonder was that the kind of thing where they were adding the, uh, you know, putting the kind of singles onto it to make it more commercial? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't know. I it does feel it, like you know Gilbert does the hits, except they're not other people's hits; they're his own songs, yeah. I guess. But like, you know, it's very cinematic. Uh, like uh, at the very mention of your name, sounds like a Bond theme, I think, and probably of the yeah. time as well, like a Roger Moore era Bond. Mm. You know, a bit problematic and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the way things oh, used to be. Roger Moore Bond is problematic. Are you kidding me? Oh, sorry. What's well, the, every James Bond is problematic, but Ro- Ro- Sean Connery and Roger Moore are particularly problematic. Those films do not Why look good through Roger a 2017 Moore, lens, my friend. Okay. <laughs> like, I haven't watched them since I was a kid. Man, uh, it's yeah. You could, you could we could do a whole podcast on that, but we won't. I thought um, Roger Moore was the one that people like now. Uh, they don't like the other ones. Um, the state league. Um, can we just change the subject because I'm getting obsessed now. <laughs> 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 I like James Bond, but do you like Gilbert Sullivan? Uh, do you know what? He's just this big abyss of a person who I don't really know a huge amount about. Uh, this album was um, it was quite peculiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, it was very well done and all that, but it was just, uh, there was just different things on it that I was just listening to it going, crikey, that's, that's, I didn't expect that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very hard to put into words exactly how you you feel about it. I did, I you know, I couldn't say oh it was utter garbage and stuff like that because obviously yes the guy is very talented, um, but uh, I did feel at, at times that he was there going well this is the kind of a new thing I'm going to try, and yeah. I'm not saying he did it badly and all that, but you could hear some of the songs sounded like you know. Not timeless, but they didn't sound of 1989. They could have been a little bit earlier. They could have been mm. a little bit later. But certain certain ones sounded very much 
this is the best technology we have and we're going to use it all in this totally. song. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, in, a, in a way, it both sort of, like, you know, from people using the newest technology at the time, it's, I think it, that, uh, that's the stuff that sounds the most dated, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, but I was surprised by, I was better than I thought it would be. I think if that's fair, because I just enjoyable. I, just, I mean, it's yeah. a strange record, and like you know, it's it holds your attention. Uh, I love there's a song called "To the Extreme," which is like I was like, "What's this going to sound like?" And, <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't sound like a metalcore song. <laughs> no, like, no, 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 surprisingly, no. it didn't sound like like, a, no. like Converge or somebody. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was fine. I mean, like you know, like he, he remains a mystery after listening to his music, and that's hard to do. I don't know if it's a good thing, but like this, yeah. like this, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy. This guy. But um, like he's a huge amount of albums and. I looked at it. I looked at you know looked him up and like he, I, I probably sound like s- s- so naive not knowing who Gilbert O'Sullivan is, but I, I mean, he seems to have an enormous amount of success, and I'm just like, mm. why does wh- like this guy is so successful and you know uh, released so many albums? Why is like why does he? Don't you, you hear his name? You or? can't know everything, otherwise you'd be insufferable. So <laughs> that's yeah. why. No, yeah, but, but I don't feel like I don't feel like a lot of people know a lot about Gilbert Russell. The yeah. only thing I knew about it's him, a generational thing, though. Sh- I surely. think so. Yeah, it's like definitely like an older, like my mom and my nanny more so would know Gilbert O'Sullivan but like I knew him going into this from singing the Alone Again Naturally yeah. is like his big kind of one it's like such a sad fucking song <laughs> like it's really 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 sad the mm-hmm. lyrics are so sad and I went into this going expecting that and then when it got to the earring song and Gordon Bennett I was like is this guy a comedy yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely and I was really yeah. confused then because I was like he wrote well, like it's a beautiful sad song and then he comes out with Gordon Bennett and I'm like Gordon Bennett yeah like, that's, what I know. it just really confused me it I really guess confused me I was going for this because I, I really like that song uh, Alone Again Naturally and Claire uh, and I remember at the time when I was like 14 or 15 and LimeWire was all about and I was yeah. like downloading as much music as I possibly could and uh, and my parents would be very impressed because it would be like, you know, Papa's Rolling Stone and like some mini Ripperton and stuff like that. And then I downloaded uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan and they were like, why, why are you doing that for? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not cool. Like, you know. Like, when your parents don't think someone is cool. But you know what I mean? Because they would have, I guess they would have been level. in the seventies listening to music, and Gilbert O'Sullivan was not cool in their books. Were you grounded or no? He's <laughs> got a name that sounds kind of ageless. Like there could have been a Gilbert O'Sullivan in like you know, the sixties, the fifties, yeah. the eighteen yeah, hundreds. Yeah. So, like yeah. I mean, it just has this weird kind of thing. And I guess I don't know. But yeah, no, I'd agree with the kind of like questioning whether it's comedy wise, but. We'll move from one experimentalist to another. Uh, John Denver Stanley, also known as Stano, released a uh, released an album, I should say, called Only in 
So Stano, which uh, rhymes with Hanno, which was my nickname in school, because it was my dad's nickname. He was a teacher in my school. Never really fit, and I don't really rock it, so there you go. Some trivia for uh, people listening who wanted some mundane trivia about me. You uh, should do a thing where all the episodes together, you just take a little, like, snippets of Dave's life, and then at the end you have, <laughs> like, you know... Like, Jesus Christ, Christ. how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> like, a super cut. Uh, okay, let's talk about Stano. Uh, Stano is kind of a, mis- a mysterious figure to a degree. He's, uh, I'd say he's more of an art you know, kind of yeah. guy than a musician per se. He was in a band, went off to his own thing. And I, yeah, when I worked in Hot Press, I remember like there was the, the return of this mysterious shadowy figure. And myself and Craig Fitzpatrick, who does no encore with me on the main show, uh, went to check out his gig at Meeting House Square and it was fine. It was okay. The visuals were a bit dated for 2012 or 2013, whatever year it was. But you know, he, he makes kind of different, like kind of different experimental music. So I didn't really know what to expect to kind of like take a deep dive back into his catalogue and uh, only is a strange record I think um, it's only six tracks which is beautiful in my eyes I love brevity I'm a big <laughs> fan There's too many albums these days rock on for 20 songs and uh, yeah I don't know quite what to make of this because I mean it's a mixture of pop and industrial and kind of very you know experimental very electric. experimental as I keep saying I mean like you know like his vocals straight away are a barrier I think I mean like, like you're either yeah. gonna, like you may well be like fuck this like when he gets going because it's kind of like I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan like you know I love Trent Reznor I love that kind of stuff and I kind of feel like there's sprinklings of that then again you know not saying that he was necessarily terribly influenced by him because Trent Reznor was only kind of really making noise around that time as well but if you try and marry that pop sensibility with the industrial textures and with the kind of out there song structures you you kind of have to pay a little bit of respect to keeping it accessible to a degree not that this yeah. is inaccessible but I just thought the more it unfolded the more I was being pushed away as a listener there's <laughs> in excess again yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is inaccessible I, I, I've I thought that um, there was a lot of influence for me um, this is the first release on U2's Mother Records you know which I think is a huge I think it's a huge thing for this for this kind of um, you know dude from Artane who's like you know on his fourth album and it's experimental poetic um, you know electro kind of music and this was U2's first release on their on their own album like that's I think that's a huge statement Um, it's it is a little bit do you know something? The best parts of it are really interesting, and I wish they were recorded better. And I kind of wish that the, the whole thing was. I, like, it's a really lame thing to say something sounds dated when you're talking about something from you know twenty years ago. Or, mm. Is it twenty years ago? Nineteen eighty-nine. Yeah. So like, um, but it, it like it is, you know, it is it is quite dated. And the way that he sings is the gothy kind of virgin prunesy kind of. Me insane. I, I found it a bit difficult, but like you have to get trying to get past that and. Mm. You know, there was some really nice lyrics. I really like the song When Life Slips Away. I think it's, I think it's the second track. Really, really good. Um, but yeah, like, you know, again, I was... When we're, when we're looking back on this, these, like, these are the albums we're recommending people to revisit, you know. And uh, I don't know... I don't know if you could... I, I don't know who I'd recommend this to. Yeah. I, I don't mean that, like, that it's not good. I don't mean that. I mean that... It's just so particular that it, it, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if I knew someone who loved the Virgin Prunes, I'd be like, you love this. But, you know, I I don't know necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only thing. It's like, it's hard to exactly know who you, who you would recommend it to, if that makes sense. When you listen to something like this, you would, 
you would liken it to, or I would liken it to maybe the first early My Bloody Valentine stuff where, where it, it was kind of, you're listening to, and then you, you listen to it in context of, you listen to Isn't Anything by, and then Loveless, and then MBV, which came around a million years later. <laughs> uh, uh, so, you know, with this, like the track four, Wreckage, was the title track to his album in 1994, yeah, I which saw was that. a big full-on industrial thing. It was kind of like, I remember playing it in my kitchen and my dog running for cover at the back door, <laughs> you know. It was it was pretty, pretty intense. But he's, um, he's a really unusual character. He is an artist, uh, as you said earlier on, and literally after Wreckage, I think he released a compilation album and then didn't release music for around 15 years. Uh, so that comeback that you, you, you talked about was the first thing he'd done in, in a very long time released. Um, but I think, um, now I don't know how true this is, but I do remember that people were saying Stano and people like My Bloody Valentine, Colin McQuisog and uh, Kevin Shields were, were quite influential to you too. When they were when they were making Acton Baby, don't know how true that is, but it would kind of make sense when you listen to little parts of that. And if it's the first release on their label, they were obviously into it. So maybe there was a little bit of a uh, of an influence. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, you can hear like as you say, like the kind of the elements there. And I mean, ultimately, like you know, when it comes to someone who is you know, when it comes to any artist, of course, but someone who is so you know determined in what they're doing in a more avant garde way, I guess. I don't really want to be like, I mean, like, my interpretation of it, I'm sure, would be met with complete and utter disdain by the person who created this. But I do, I did find it hard to kind of make that connection and to meet him on his level. Um, I think it's perfectly fine. But again, I couldn't help but start thinking about My Bloody Valentine, Nine Inch Nails, and, you know, albums like Pretty Hate Machine. And then I was like, I might just go and listen to that instead. And, like, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I hate never listen to this record. The reason that I picked it was because I think the revisit, you know, I mean, like, you know, part of what we do is to, is to look at records and just kind of, like, get the context of it and all to be like is this recommended to someone who wouldn't be into the other four that we do mm. and I thought it was you know an interesting kind of thing that we hadn't really covered this kind of stuff before like, it's, definitely, like, it's definitely notable you know what I mean like, it's you know, notable for sure I mean I, I saw the name and I was like we should talk about him yeah and I, I think uh, the, you know you know the thing where you're like you know well <laughs> this is more interesting this person is trying to do something different and you've yeah. got to you've got to commend that but the thing is that sometimes it is a little bit more difficult to listen to as a result and you have to give it you know you have to have the confidence in it to invest the time that you get through it you know if mm. that makes sense yeah, you know yeah. and the, the funny thing is that's what happened with me with before with the with Fatima Mountains I had to invest time in it to get it and that this album I feel like you know I'd love to have I, I would much prefer to recommend the Fatima Mountains album because I think they're doing obtuse different kind of um, difficult um, music in a better way than, than yeah, Stano is. Yeah, in a way you is. can get into it eventually. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. that's what, that, this is the album that I was thinking I'd love to, I'd love to I, I feel like it's in a similar world in, in intent but the, the Fatima Mansions was better. So that's, I mean, that's just my opinion but yeah. That's fair. Uh, Mary Black was at the forefront of a very different world not quite as industrial. Um, very and, industrial, and, yeah. And mechanical. The demos for No Frontiers <laughs> were insane. Uh, no Frontiers is the album and it sounds like this. So that was Carolina Rua, and that's your choice, Neve. Yes. Does this represent the album as a whole? Um, 
yeah, well, I guess it kind of does. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, the songs, the songs were all written, mixture songs written by different people. Jimmy McCarthy's in there, Mick Canley done along. Um, There's a Burt Bacharach song in there, which I actually didn't know was on there until I listened to the album. I was like, oh, say a little prayer, nice one. Um, But yeah, no, the reason I kind of chose this was um, I kind of grew up uh, with Mary Black being played at my house. My mother was obsessed with the Black family and um, it was just one of those things. And when I started singing, No Frontiers was my party piece. That was the song everybody got me to sing, you know. So it was kind of, it definitely, uh, there's a lot of, kind of memories attached to this album and when I went back and re-listened to it again there's so much on it that I completely forgot that I knew you know that kind of way you kind of get these little melodies in your head and you're like oh I remember that you know I remember hearing that when I was a kid and uh, it's like kind of almost like a big warm blanket of an album (laughs) do you know what I mean like one of those albums that's like you know some of the songs you know have not aged very well there's a lot of saxophone in a couple of the songs and I think saxophone definitely ages and that ages bass as well is that electronic the electronic bass, bass yeah wow. absolutely wow, 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 wow. but um, but I just think yeah I just think you know music does different things for different people and I think for this album anyway you know I found um, it, it's just like a hug it's just like a hug from your mammy you know I love like I love Mary Black's voice I had to remind myself some of the songs I was listening to I had to remind myself I wasn't listening to Roshi No because of how much she sings sounds like sounds like her mom um, that's true actually you yeah. know it really, I, like, really does like the kind of she, the pronunciation of the words and stuff like that was kind of like a bit jarring at points I was like is this that nah, can't be Roshi obviously but um, yeah I love her voice I've always loved her voice and uh, yeah it, was, it spent 56 weeks in the Irish Top 30 it's which incredible. is insane it's which is, was, is like that's nearly the whole year yeah Jesus. In, in the top 30 it's over a year for really, an album it? Like, um, is it 56 weeks yeah. it's a year and a month isn't it yeah, yeah. Maths. that's insane <laughs> 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 it's an educational <laughs> podcast as well um, yeah I mean like it's interesting that you kind of take that approach because I guess I mean like, I, I didn't want to be like oh is Mary Black like you know kind of a mother figure in Irish music but I guess mm. she does occupy that space and that she's seriously influential yeah. very looked up to and kind of set the path for a lot of artists, uh, particularly female artists, I would presume. I wouldn't deign to speak on behalf of that. Mm-hmm. But she's like regarded, she's revered. And I guess it's a record like this that would... I mean, this was her breakthrough album, right? I mean, it was kind of to a degree. Well, so, solo-wise, I think it was, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, I think it was, definitely. Because I think before that then it was... She would have been singing with Francis and her and her brothers. The Black Flam- you know the what I mean? Albums, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my, my, when I was when I was really young, uh, my first girlfriend. I used to go to her house, and her and the house was always this album was always being played. Mm. And then it was kind of an, a classic album. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it, was an old, it was an old album then, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, but I was put it on. I couldn't believe how many of the songs. Like you just said, I couldn't believe how many songs I knew, and. Um, 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 as I say, my first girlfriend's party piece was "Past the Point of Rescue." Uh, what a beautiful song! And so, yeah. so I knew all the words, and I was like, "This is mad," you know. And I, again, like you just said, I couldn't believe how much of the album that I knew. And it, I think there's a lot of, I think it's a very um, optimistic album or something. There's yeah. like a bright side to the whole thing, which is lovely. And also, I think that her voice is excellent. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's got that sort of Irish traditional sort of 
you know, sound like the keys and some of the instruments and yeah. stuff. I, I often wonder, are a lot of the same musicians playing? Because the way that the the decoration is on the album, like not the melody lines, but like the decorative kind of just music and that goes along with it is often yeah. very similar, I think, you know, the sound of the keyboards and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, I kind of thought that dated it a bit. But um yeah, like, you know. But then that's not necessarily a bad thing either. No, no I don't Do you mean, know what I mean? Like I mean, the, I, I, the, the, I was, it was kind of, I, I noticed it when I was listening. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, geez, that yeah. bass sounds horrible, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, the scene when, when uh, Father Ted wakes up in the bed and he's like, <laughs> well, I have to get rid of that sax sound, you know. So I was like, oh, that, yeah, that electronic some bass the, Some again. of the sax in it was a little bit much. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit much now. Did this provoke painful memories for you, here, having to relive your presumable first heartbreak? Um no no it's all good times always a fire in the house you know <laughs> bit of a chill out all right it was it was good it's very it's good. just making sure you're okay that's all yeah, it was yeah. actually I was actually it was actually Mary Black was my first girl I was gonna say <laughs> yeah 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 I, I, I didn't want to name names you know like I just figured we she could. had it playing in her own house <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it I broke up with her because of her ego <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is a joke I need to do my own thing that is a joke <laughs> but you yeah, know I love the way um I really like the way you know the way some some sort of some kind of trad singers from that time have a specific style and way of singing that's kind of annoying but I Mary Black's voice was kind of you know just very natural and soft and you know kind of that kind of style of like uh, uh, Karen Carpenter who just opened her mouth in this noise that was the most beautiful thing you ever heard come out Yeah, you know and that was the way I feel about Mary Black is that she has a very, very effortless, very timeless voice. And although some of the music might be dated, I just think her, you know, her as as a woman and as a singer, like she just stands up for me, like, you know, stands out for me. I think that sums it up perfectly, Neve. Uh, awesome work, uh, awesome album in many respects. And we will now try and pick a winner from this bunch. Be right back. All right, okay. So, uh, off mic, we were kind of saying, not the most golden year of all time in Irish music, but an interesting one nonetheless, 1989. So, Kieran, what's your what's your verdict here? Yeah, um, I'm thinking about it like, you know, the Four of Us album, I would probably recommend Classified Personal over this. Um, I don't know. I think that while Stano is really good at what it does, I think Mary Black's really good at what it does. I think the Gilbert O'Sullivan album kind of surprised me uh, as well. I think that probably the album that I would recommend out of all of these is uh, Fatima Mansions and uh, no, I, is, is The Pogues' <laughs> Peace and Love. I just think that it's yeah. worth a look. I just, I, I, I think that people will be surprised. I don't think it's a perfect album, but I think it's a far better album than an album that, you know, I think it's, in some ways I enjoyed it more than some of the other Pogues albums. Mm. Okay, that's totally fair. Dan? I naturally well I mean I selected the uh, the four of us songs for the tempted because uh, I do think it's a, I think it's a really good album actually um, I do agree with Kieran I I think they have better albums than this I think Man Alive as I said earlier on is better classified personal as too so I mean I'd be tempted to go for that but I, Peace and Love is by the Pogues as I said at the very beginning I do I remember listening to it at some point but I just don't remember it sounding like that like yeah. Pogues probably have better albums, but 
that album is I'm going to listen to that when I leave like yeah. on, on my way wherever you know he so has the CD I do have the, the compact CD. disc the CD from well the, I just kind of RT library well, I thought, I, yeah I'm, I'm on my way to bring it back <laughs> is that written on right, nice. the record <laughs> yes it's, look it's the I, old school I've RT got a, yeah. I've got it for another I've got it for another week but I'm going to drop it back early anyway but no it's um, I just think it's it's a really interesting album and it's definitely something I'm going to listen to again awesome Quiva I I mean, I guess because it's the one that I know of this list, uh, I would have to say the Gilbert O'Sullivan album. Uh, well, it's, it's the first time I've attempted to listen to any of Gilbert O'Sullivan's uh, records, you know. So uh, while I don't think it as a standalone album is uh, life-changing, I think there's definitely some really, really nice moments on it and I'm curious to hear what he's done with his other albums, you know. I think it's a decent gateway. Yeah. Cool. And finally, Neve. Um, well, I'm gonna go for Pogues as well, Peace and Love, because it was. I mean, I lo- love Mary Black. I love. I love that album. That was my the number one I picked. But just listen to the Pogues, like, and how just much joy I felt in my soul <laughs> listening to it, and uh, how much it just lifted me. Um, and every song was different, and you know there was something new around every corner. And I think if you think you know the Pogues fucking don't don't listen to this <laughs> album you should get that on a t-shirt yeah. you think you know the pogues and on the back you yeah, fucking, fucking don't, don't. <laughs> yeah I wish it really uh, I wish it really was finally leave but I forgot the, in my role of ho- as host of the show that I have to finish up so uh, I, I'm also going with the pogues because again completely surprised by it I think it's a fascinating record uh, it's well worth checking out I mean any album that has a song as good as Laurel I on it is worth checking out you know yeah. as, by, you know, by rule I mean I went to like Depeche Mode there about two weeks ago and they played Enjoy the Silence and it was like I loved everything around this, this is all good but like it was worth coming here for just that mm-hmm. so you know kind of that's your gateway in give it a go you might be as surprised as I was you know it's not classic but it's definitely fascinating well, I so. think it's a, I think it's I think it's a really strong like all, you know all you can ask for out of a band is a is a strong because yeah, a good yeah. strong album because yeah. then what happens is you have people who absolutely love it and then and you know then anyone else because there's something else for them so in this I think out of this list I'm going to recommend yeah it, that's, this is the one to recommend so this is our this is our recommended album from this episode yeah okay so peace and love by the Pogues uh, thank you so much to Quiva to Neve to Dan to you Kieran as well indeed, my name friend. is Dave Henry this has been an encore the revisit and this is the Pogues with Lorelai catch you next time.
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Competition never waits. Take your gear on the go with a custom pack built to protect it. Because any place can be an arena. Game on. The Tumi Esports Capsule. Available on Tumi.com and select Tumi stores. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.